Before we get into the message, I just want to sort of piggyback on some of Mark Henderlong's comments as an elder from the Elder Council. We want to begin the new year calling our church family to a time of prayer and fasting. And uh, for basically two reasons, the first being the one that Mark mentioned, we have a really significant vote coming up in the life of our church, a very critical vote, and we want God's will in that. And so we're praying that, that the Lord would lead us, lead us in that whole process. And so we're calling all of, all of our church family to a time of prayer and fasting for that first week of January leading up to the vote on January 6th. On Friday evening, January 4th, we're calling for an all-church prayer gathering here in the sanctuary. And so uh, that's, that's first and foremost. But secondly, we're also a part of a larger church family called Converge Worldwide. And the president of Converge, Scott Rideout, has called uh, the churches of, of our fellowship of churches, Converge, and missionaries around the world to a time of prayer and fasting as well, praying that God's presence and power would be really real in the lives of our, our people, in our congregations, um, and across the world. And so for, for the 21 days, so once we finish up the seven days praying for our church, we just want to keep right on praying and joining with thousands of other believers around the world. And so the, the calendar kind of shows you how it's mapped out. And when you leave this morning, if you didn't receive one when you came in, you're going to receive, and I'm going to ask the ushers to have these available as you leave, uh, a little booklet that will guide you through the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we'd like for every household to have one of these. It's going to give you suggestions on how to fast, different kinds of fasts that, that uh, might, might work for you. Um, and then each day has scripture and some thoughts on prayer and fasting, a place to journal. And it'll just be a, a real handy tool for you to have during those days. <clears throat> Something else I want to point out, um, you all know that Allie Keaton, a lot of you know that Allie, Director of Children's Ministries and Family Ministries, is going to Uganda uh, January, February, and we support her in that and are so glad that a member of our staff gets that opportunity. Uh, the person that she works with in Uganda is Remy, and uh, Remy, can you just kind of wave your hand, everybody? If you haven't... <clears throat> Remy started an orphanage a number of years ago, and that's the connection that Allie has when she goes down and works with all the little, little kiddos. And so, Remy, it's great to have you here in the States and here part of your time staying with Allie and her family. So if you haven't had a chance to meet her, make sure you get to know her. She has a great story of God's grace in her life. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for the Lord's Day. Thank you for a day in the midst of the craziness of, of the days in which we live when we can gather as the saints of God, men and women and young people who are trying to fix our eyes on Jesus and to follow you and to know that, that it is in you that our hope lies. We have a, a great, great Savior and we worship you today. And so I pray that the Spirit of God would be our teacher, our encourager. I pray for brothers and sisters who may be here today with heavy hearts, with big challenges, challenges that are bigger than they can bear on their shoulders. And Lord, you've said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I pray that that would be true today. 
We love you. We thank you for this time of year. We give this time to you for your glory and for our good. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I've been preparing and uh, preaching Advent season messages, messages leading up to Christmas for over 40 years. Same stories, same biblical narratives, same characters. The characters don't change. Um, And if you're not careful, uh, and I'm sure you experience this, if you're not really careful with that which is familiar, uh, it can kind of become ho-hum. You say, yeah, I guess this is December. I guess we should expect the pastor to be bringing messages on Christmas. Uh, What's new? Um, And you're familiar with the phrase, familiarity breeds contempt. And the last thing you want is to have any degree of contempt or ho-humness to the most amazing message that the world had ever received up until that point in the history of humanity. And so uh, I just never want Advent to be ho-hum for me, for my wife, for my kids, my grandkids, and for my church family. I I really hope that, and it takes intentionality. It's going to take intentionality on your part whenever you come into December to keep rethinking and rehearsing and rereading these passages with fresh eyes. And singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing with a fresh heart and a fresh perspective. And so as we go through these messages leading up, you know, um, do you see what I see? And trying to look at these passages through the different eyes and ears, hearing it through the ears, feeling it through the emotions of the people who experienced it, who were there. We too want that same sense of wonder, don't we? You just want to have a sense of wonder in the midst of the world in which we live. And so that's what I hope happens to us. I want for you to realize over and over and over again that when you talk about the incarnation, the fact that the Son of God would take on flesh and live for a while among us, um, be conceived, you know, that he would lay aside his glory, lay aside his glory. And and there was a particular point in, in, in eternity past in a particular time in, point in time when the Son of God laid aside His glory in order to be conceived in the womb of a young girl. There was a time when the Father said, the time has come for you to lay aside your glory. And now the Spirit of God will take you and you will be conceived, my only begotten Son, in the womb of a young girl. And that would, be, that would be the son of God's home for nine months. He would live and grow in a womb. And then the day would come when he would come into the world which he himself had made. And brothers and sisters, if that does not amaze you, you just simply need to park yourself there and, and reflect and ponder. Well, that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do. This was not plan B. This was plan A in God's foreordained way of getting things done. And so this morning, as we try to experience the story through the eyes and the ears and the emotions of the shepherds, we want to again have that sense of wonder. So would you stand with me as we read the scripture for this morning? Reading from Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. 
And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Praise God. Please be seated. Let me just point out a few things to you from this passage this morning. First of all, it was a day like no other. It was a day like no other day in the history of humanity, in the history of the world. Verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day. It was an actual day. It wasn't a make-believe day, a pretend day, a mythological day. It was a day. If we, could, if we could take a, a thread and string it back and put all the days, there was a day when all of this actually happened, a day on the calendar. <clears throat> See, what you have here in terms of looking at the birth of Jesus, what you have here in these passages, in Luke chapter 2, in, in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. The Word who was God became flesh, Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. What you have in all these passages is basically... God's birth announcement for his son. This is, this is the, these are the wrappings of a birth announcement, a divine birth announcement. You know, we're, in the, we're going to be taking Jesse on a cruise here in the new year, and we, we, had to get a, we have to get a passport for him. And in order to get a passport, you have to have the birth certificate. And, and we had misplaced, probably I had misplaced, level. I just, <laughs> in my files, I, it, it's, it'll show up. But we had to send to California to get a birth announcement to prove that he was born in a particular place on a specific day. That's a birth announcement. What the writers of Scripture are giving us here is a birth announcement of Jesus. And so you read all these passages and say, he was born on a particular day in history, 
in a particular place. It was a day planned in eternity past, the scriptures tell us. Before the creation of the world, a day that God had foreordained when the eternal Son of God would be born. Just like billions of other babies have been born, he would be born. When the fullness of time had come, Galatians 4.4. When the fullness of time, when all the pieces came together at just exactly the right time, the right day, the right hour, God sent forth his Son, Born of woman, that simply means fully man, while at the same time fully God. And born under the law, the same law that condemns us in our sin, he perfectly obeyed and fulfilled so that he could redeem those who are under the law. Born of woman, born under the law, when the fullness of time had come, that's when God sent forth his son. It was a day that God had planned from eternity past. It was a day predicted by the prophets. Isaiah especially, Isaiah 7, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. The virgin, not just a young girl. Lots of young girls conceive and give birth to baby boys and girls. No, this was a virgin. That's what makes it such an amazing statement by Isaiah. The virgin shall conceive, and after conception shall bear a son. Isaiah 9, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Similar to the angels' declaration to the shepherds, for unto you is born this day a Savior. Isaiah says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. The rule, the rule of the world will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called, and then these amazing titles. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those were kind of the, if you stick with the birth announcement analogy, the Isaiah passages are sort of the save the date, you know, the day, it's coming, it's coming, it's going to be a few hundred years from now, but it's coming when these things are going to happen. It was a day foretold by the angel to Mary, you will conceive, Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You see, friends, I'm not telling you anything profound with this. But I am wanting to impress upon you that all of these things happened on a particular day in a particular place in the history of the world. Because it's easy for Christmas to kind of become this very sort of ethereal, romantic, fuzzy thing. And I don't want that to be true for you. It was a day like no other. There had never been another day like this in the history of the world. There had been lots of amazing days in the history of humanity. Lots of amazing days in this book. You go back into the Old Testament, you got an awful lot of amazing days, amazing events, but none of them come close to this one. And so... It was both a very ordinary day and a most extraordinary day. The second thing I would point out to you is that it was an announcement like no other. 
It was an announcement like no other announcement that had ever been made in the history of the world. Delivered, first of all, by an angel. We don't know whether it was Gabriel. It just says an angel of the Lord. An angel of the Lord. But whichever angel got the assignment, this great honor of making the first divine birth announcement on planet Earth, never done before. Now, there are other angelic visits and announcements surrounding the Christmas narrative. You've got Zechariah. He's, he's, he's visited by an angel. And then, of course, Mary was visited by an angel. Joseph was visited by an angel. And then the two of them together after the birth in terms of you need to go to Egypt and get out of here for a while. But here's the shepherds. It's the shepherds who are the very first to be told. Shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Once again, friends, understand, that was by design. That was God's design for shepherds to be the recipients of the message. That wasn't an accident. That was foreordained. That was determined long, long time before this day occurred. You see, God planned the whole event. God planned the whole event. Every detail. Our daughter is a, uh, an event planner. She plans events. She plans lots of weddings, various other kinds of events. And she's really, really good at what she does. And she'll, she'll meet with the party. She'll, for example, with a wedding, she'll meet with the bride and usually the bride's mother or other members of the family. And you say, well, first of all, you know, what's the date? Is the date set? And then what's your budget? Are we talking about a $10,000 wedding or a $100,000 wedding? You know, what's your budget? Then they got to pick a venue. Where is this going to take place? And then finally a guest list. Who gets to be invited to this thing? You see, God planned this whole event. And in terms of a budget, the sky was the limit. There were no limits on what God would be willing to spend on this amazing, amazing event that was going to take place on planet Earth. But he chose to keep it really simple. He chose to keep it really simple. As far as a venue, you'd think with the birth of the Son of God coming into the world, you would pick a spectacular venue, wouldn't you? With all the regalia and decor and flowers and trumpets blasting. And... But he picked this little outlying village called Bethlehem. Why wouldn't, wouldn't you have this in Jerusalem? Maybe even Rome. No, it's going to happen in Bethlehem. I don't know what your picture is of the scene where Jesus was actually born, but it needs to be real in your mind. You know, Joseph and Mary came to Bethlehem for the registration, for taxation purposes. They just happened to be in Bethlehem at this particular time when it, the time came for Mary to give birth. And they look for a place to stay, and all they can find is, is an inn, and they go to the innkeeper, and there is no room. All the, all the places for inn dwellers to stay are filled up. The inn is full. 
and, and your concept there needs to be accurate. We're basically talking about stalls around in an open enclosure in the night air. And in the middle of the courtyard is where you would tether all of your animals, and there would be a common fire where the indwellers could, could cook their food. And then there would be fodder for the animals. But then each stall, that's where people who stayed at the Motel 6 of Bethlehem, that's where they would sleep. They were not given a mattress or a pillow or a blanket. They were just given a stall. But by the time Mary and Joseph got there, there were no stalls left. And so they were said, you can stay, but it's got to be out here in the open courtyard with the animals. And I just wonder what it was like for Joseph. With his young bride, pregnant, ready to give birth. And there's the stench of manure and there is... There is Animal urine-soaked straw and a cold, hard ground under her body. And all of the other indwellers are totally preoccupied with them. They're sleeping or they're doing their own stuff. No one's giving any attention to what's happening here in the middle of the courtyard. And Joseph probably just had to have wondered, this is by design? This was in your plan? But it was. And then you get to the guest list. Who's going to be invited to this thing? Surely royalty, surely kings and queens will come to the birth of the king. If not kings and queens, surely the wealthy and the people of worldly prominence will will be the ones invited. And if not them, at least the the Jewish leadership will be brought. Scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees and the chief priests, you know, all of they've got to come. And God says, no. mm -mm. All I want there that night are shepherds. That's my guest list. You see, I don't know if you realize, but shepherds at that time in history in ancient Israel, they were close to the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder. Pretty much the only ones, from my understanding, who were lower than shepherds were lepers. And lepers were outcasts. Now, I've, I've, I've tried to think this week, who would the shepherds of our culture be? And I have trouble with that one. You just got to think of a, a really, really low, lowly profession really, really lowly profession, or a station in life that is, that is um, barely recognizable by the rest of society, maybe the homeless. Maybe if it happened in our culture, in our day, God would have said, I want for the homeless to be invited to the birth. You see, friends, I think what you're given in the birth of Jesus is a preview of Jesus' earthly ministry yet to come. You see, God goes to great measures here to give us a living picture that would always serve year after year after year after year to remind us that God is not the least bit impressed with wealth or worldly wisdom. He's not impressed with position or power or title 
He's not impressed with outward shows of spirituality like the Jews. In fact, he almost seems to be averse to it. He almost seems to say, everything that the world thinks is, is, is top dog, that's not me. And so this is why we see him doing things like sending an angel to shepherds. And then, amazingly, Jesus would come and would announce himself as the good shepherd to his people. You see, friends, Jesus came for shepherds. Jesus, who was put out of the city gate, came for lepers, like you and me. Jesus came for the poor and the widow and the orphan and the outcasts, the downtrodden, widows and orphans. Jesus came for the humble and the meek of the world. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they're the ones who will inherit the earth. I don't know. I just am increasingly convinced that we're going to be really, really, really surprised when we get to heaven. I think we're going to be shocked by who's there, by who's not there, by the honors that are given, by the rewards that are passed out. And then, what was the announcement? Well, I just want to kind of break it down into the four key phrases that I see. Fear not, the angel said. In other words, this is not a fearful message for you guys. There's nothing in this announcement for you to be afraid of. I mean, the world is filled with so many fears, is it not? Does your world, does your world have a lot of fears? Yes? Lots of fears. I mean, I could find something to be afraid of every day. I could probably find something to be afraid of every hour of every day if I chose to do that. Just watch the news. And this is a fear not message coming from God. God says, don't be afraid. I have come near to the world in the birth of of my son. Don't be afraid of that. There's nothing in that to be afraid of. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Best kind of news is good news. We hate bad news. Lots of bad news in the world. That's why I've told you many times as Christians, we we really need to spend less time listening to the news. It is 24-7. Most of it is not good. But this is good news. Good news. Really good news. And so as the people of God, we should read good news. We should dwell on good news. We should think about good news. We should rehearse the good news. We should be encouraged and find renewed hope in the good news. I bring you good news of great joy, overflowing joy, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Great joy. I read that and I I wonder if perhaps the main reason why we as Christians don't have greater joy in our lives is because we don't spend enough time with the good news. We spend way too much time with the bad news and it, 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 it saps our joy. It distorts our perspective. 
And we end up with the exact same perspective as the rest of the world with Jesus kind of tucked in there. I bring you good news of great joy for who? All the people. Not just Jews, Gentiles, not just men, men and women, not just adults, adults and children, young and old, rich and poor, Jews and Samaritans. I bring good news for Greeks and Romans and Egyptians and Syrians. I bring good news for the Chinese and for the Japanese, people from the Ukraine and from Uganda. People from Sweden and Slovakia, all the people, the angel. That's an amazing announcement for that angel to be given. I, I bring you good news of great joy. And then I pulled back and I thought, I wonder if the angel spent some time thinking about how to bring this announcement. Or if he was actually just, if it was written out for him. If God the Father said, this is, what I, this is exactly what I want you to say. I, I, I would, I'm playing with it here, but, but I, I, I kind of... Picture the angel thinking it out and saying, okay, I bring you news. No, that's, not, that's not good enough. <laughs> I bring you good news. Yeah, that's, that's good. I bring you good news of joy. No, that's, not, that's just not, I bring you the good news of great joy. But some people will think that they're left out. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people, including shepherds. And then you get to what the message was. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And so my last thought here is he is a Savior like no other. Someone who's going to save us Someone whose specific assignment, his specific assignment was to go to planet Earth and save people, rescue people. That was his mission. I think we all love stories of people being saved, people being rescued, and oftentimes they're made into movies. I remember years ago, the story of the little girl who fell down the well, Jessica McClure, a lot of you who are, I don't know, how old do you have to be to remember Jessica McClure? Um, she was referred to as America's baby. This little, I think she was an 18-month-old little baby girl, and she fell down a well in her aunt's backyard. Eight-inch well, 22 feet down. And people came from all over the state of Texas and, and even other countries to help rescue baby Jessica. And it was made into a movie. 56 hours she was trapped, and then she was delivered set free, and she's alive today. So we love those kind. Of, I love that kind of a movie, or Apollo 13. We're all familiar with Apollo 13. The whole world was watching to see if there would be any possible way to bring those men home safely. Or one more recently that I really enjoyed, The Finest Hours. True story, 1952, the year I was born, the Coast Guard is sent out into the Atlantic off the coast of Massachusetts to, to rescue some sailors whose ship had literally chopped in half. Um, and, they were, and they were rescued. They were, we love those kinds of stories. And I, and, I, and I asked myself, what is it? What is it about rescue stories and salvation stories? Is it that we love so much? I think it's this. We all want to be saved. 
We all want to be saved. We all want for someone to come rescue us. See, there's something in our heart that says I'm lost. There's something in our, in our being that says there's something wrong here. I'm floundering. I need someone to save me, and I can't save myself. And the angel came with that amazing news. Unto you is born this day a Savior. I mean, Jesus said of himself, Luke 19, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. John 3, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. John 12, I did not come to judge the world, I came to save the world. Acts 2, quoting from Joel 2, it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, what, shall be saved. Praise God. Christ came to save people. People who cannot save themselves. People who are willing to admit, I can't save myself. I hope that's you. Acts 4, there is salvation. No place else. There is salvation in no one else. Muhammad doesn't have salvation. Buddha doesn't have salvation. Abraham doesn't have salvation. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I don't think I'm telling you anything you don't already know. If you have ever, ever, ever sinned against God, even just once, you need a Savior. Because you do not want to stand before a holy God on your own merits. And I would go beyond, I mean, obviously, I need to be saved from my sins. But can I tell you something else, friends? I need a Savior every day. I need a Savior to save me from my pride. I need a Savior to save me from my foolishness. I need a Savior to save me from my stubbornness. I need a Savior to save me from my lustful thoughts. I need a Savior to save me from my unkind words, from my prejudice. I need a Savior to save me every day. And so do you know what you should find yourself saying at this time of the year? I have a Savior and His name is Jesus. I have a Savior and His name is Jesus. You should find yourself saying that every day. In fact, you might want to just write that down and wake up in the morning and say that to yourself and to the world and to the enemy of your soul. Oh no, Satan, I have a Savior and His name is Jesus. And He is Christ, God's anointed. And He is the Lord. He is Yahweh. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. There was with the angel a multitude. How many is a multitude? Well, tude is Greek for thousands, so multitude means many tudes or many thousands. Yeah, I just made that up. 
<laughs> and you're all pretty gullible. Hajj means a whole slew of angels. More than you could count. More than you could count. I wonder, this is conjecture on my part, I wonder if maybe God gave permission for all of his angels to be there that day for this incredible announcement to planet Earth. I don't know if he would have told any of the angels, no, you can't go. And they're all just jumping up and down, please, please, can we go, can we go? Go, go. And he emptied heaven. Because Peter writes in his epistle concerning the things pertaining to Christ, the angels long to look into these things. All the angels of heaven just long to look into this stuff. They just can't believe it. They've been watching God do amazing things throughout the history of planet Earth, and this, this one just blew them away. By the way, do you know where else we find multitudes of angels in collective praise? The book of Revelation those who have been studying Revelation for the last few months, you're probably familiar with the passage, Revelation 5. John says, Then I looked and I heard around the throne the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Thousands of thousands is millions upon millions. Saying with a loud voice, well, I guess so. It'd be a loud voice, would it not? saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. This is the lamb who was conceived and born. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. You see, brothers and sisters, the angels in heaven love praising Jesus. They never get tired of it, and neither should we. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased, peace on those on whom his favor rests. God brings peace. He offers peace to the whole world. He brings peace to those who receive the Prince of Peace, to those who agree to his terms of peace. God says, I offer you terms of peace. You've got to accept my terms, not your terms. You can't come up with your own terms of peace. They're my terms. On earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased because they have recognized the Prince of Peace. And so the shepherds witnessed the whole thing. They saw the whole shebang from beginning to end, from the angel bursting upon them in the night sky, announcing the birth of a Savior. They'll find a baby. They go and they find a baby. They, 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 they see the millions upon millions of angels praising God. And then what happens? It says that they returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. They returned. They, 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 they went back to their jobs. They, they returned to their sheep. They returned to their families and their homes. They returned to their villages. They returned to their neighbors. Their lives had been completely turned upside down. And so they returned as different men, totally changed men. Tim and Mary Morgan gave testimony that it was God who basically given a whole different paradigm for thinking about life. The shepherd's paradigm was flipped upside down. And now they knew 
that they had a Savior. Do you see what they saw when you see Jesus? Do you see what they saw? For unto you, unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Pray with me. Just bow your heads, please. Just, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God just right where you're sitting in, in some fashion this morning. You know, maybe you heard Tim and Mary Morgan's testimonies this morning, and it, maybe that was new to you, the whole idea of knowing God personally through Christ and having your sins forgiven and hearing that you need, to, you need to make a decision, a choice, you need to choose to follow Christ. I would love for this Christmas to be the most wonderful Christmas that you've ever experienced. And it can be. You need to respond to the exact same news that the shepherds received. Unto you has been born in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I would ask you and exhort you and plead with you, receive Christ. You need a Savior. You need to be saved from your sins. You need to be saved from yourself. You need to be saved from all the things from your past that haunt you. You need to be saved from your shame and your guilt. You need Jesus. Wouldn't you receive him right now? Just offer a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I need a Savior. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Let me know your love for me. I need a Savior who loves me. those of you who have known Christ for perhaps many years would you pray that your heart would be renewed this Christmas season eyes to see, ears to hear affections that would affections that would swell up within you with a renewed sense of wonder and love for Christ Lord we love you today thank you that the one who came who was conceived in the womb of a young girl and then born would grow to be a man who would then perfectly fulfill all of, all of God's laws and requirements so that he could then redeem those who were still under the law thank you Lord Jesus for the cross you came to be born so that you might die so that you might live again. Today, as we take the bread and the cup, we recognize all of this to be true. And we honor you, we remember you, and we worship you. We pray in Christ's name.
this morning, if you're here as a believer in Jesus Christ, we invite you to share with us in the Lord's table.